This is a No Land in Sight podcast production. Welcome to Is That Movie Still Good? The podcast where we take a movie from the past, give it a thorough rewatching, and ask the question, is that movie still good? Tonight, we're going to get ready to go to the doctor. It's back to school time, kids. We got to get our vaccinations. Measles, mumps, rubella, polio, what do you got? Tonight, in honor of the coronavirus sweeping the globe, we're going to go back and revisit 1995's Outbreak. So, get on your hazmat suit, get your vaccines ready, and here we go. Is that movie still good with Outbreak 1995? Welcome back, friends. Thanks for joining us. We hope you are following the pod on isthatmoviestillgood.com or Instagram or wherever you get your podcasts. We are here, and we are here with a little bit of a public service message tonight. Nate, here we are in the midst of Coronavirus 2020. Um, do you have your mask on? Uh, yes, I do. All right, we want to make sure we're wearing masks. We got so our masks. We don't spread the disease. N- normally, I uh, have Miller Lite for the podcast, but tonight I'm drinking Corona Light in honor of coronavirus. So well, plus, Corona needs some money because everybody's scared of drinking now. Yeah, they think the virus spreads through beer. That's, that's exactly right. I don't even know what that's about. Um, but <laughs> there's a lot of dumb people out there. <laughs> yes. But given the state of everything in uh, epidemiology going on right now with the coronavirus, we thought this would be a fun one to to find a movie about some kind of an outbreak, as it were. And, uh, you know, we're here for you guys creating content so that should you be quarantined in the next few months, you've got plenty of podcasts to listen to to entertain yourself. Absolutely. We've actually been planning on this for like ever since we started the podcast, I think. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because <laughs> I mean, we knew something was coming. Some kind of a grand you, plan. You know the, the Ebola virus in the Congo that's been around for like almost like a year and a half, two years, it finally is eradicated now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just in the last day or two. Yeah, so there's always something going on. Always. It's always, always something, something going, going on. on. Yeah. So, um... To get into it, do you remember this movie at all, seeing it? I mean, I do, but it's a very vague memory. It's a funny thing is, you know what I remember the most about this movie? What's that? The uh, yellow uh, outfits. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The, the hazmat the outfits. The hazmat outfits. It's, uh, for, uh, and Dustin Hoffman and his hazmat and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. I actually forgot how many good actors were in this movie. Me too, me too. This is a great cast. Um, I remember watching it on video when it came out, Um and not really liking it that much, to be honest with you. I, I had high hope. So this this this, uh, this is actually based off of a book in 1994, actually a non-fiction book. A non-fiction book called okay. The Hot Zone. The Hot Zone, right. R- written by a guy named Richard Preston that mo- wrote mostly non-fiction, but he did write a lot of biological stuff, mm-hmm. a lot of uh, um, you know uh, military-type things. Um, so... Uh, and, and the stories, the funny thing was, I think there was a fiction writer, and I can't remember, I think it was a female that wrote a book called The Hot Zone, similar plot right. a few years later that they tried to make into a movie. So there, there was lots of, um, I don't know, kind of battles you know, over naming rights and story and plot rights and things like that. Right, right. Yeah. At the time, do you remember any other kind of movies like this where it was kind of this big pandemic outbreak? Um. Well... I'm trying to think about that because we talked about um, Contagion, but that was from 2011. Um, so around this time, I, I don't have one right off the top of my head. What are you thinking about? No, I was just asking. I, I, I don't. I, I don't think I know of one either. Yeah, yeah. For a second. And but you know the 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 funny thing is that this is not our first airborne virus movie that we've covered on the podcast. And not the first one that involved monkeys. No, that's correct. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we uh, did 12 Monkeys a while back. Um, and uh, it's funny because um, one of the, the people 
who follows us and I follow him, uh, he watches a lot of movies and, and he had shown last week he and his family were watching 12 Monkeys uh, to, to uh, get wrapped up in the coronavirus uh, paranoia. So, yeah. Kind of yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, Whenever they, I mean, there, every couple of years, like we said a second ago, there's one of these big viruses that take over. But I think every, anybody with like a, you know, head on their shoulders realizes just the common normal flu kills way more people every winter right? than, than most of these viruses do. Yeah, that's right. I mean, this is uh, not to get it too deep into the weeds here, but it's similar to the flu. Um, the The number of people who have died looks to be... Anywhere between 1.4 to 3.4%, and that's of known cases, and there are plenty of people probably who have cases that, that are not known. And um, so it's, it's dangerous, but it's not Ebola. Like, uh, it's, yeah, and, and, it's, and, and also it mostly, at least from a mortality standpoint, impacts the elderly, right. which, but it doesn't really have as strong as an impact on young children, which the normal flu does, because right. usually those are your demographics with the yeah, normal Im- flu. Yeah, immunocompromised, the elderly, yep. those kinds of things. Um, now, it, it's interesting as we're getting into, you know, we're from Kentucky. We love basketball. We're excited because the NCAA tournament's getting ready to come up. But the NCAA actually has said this week that they, everything is on the table, and if the virus spreads and they're concerned, that they may hold NCAA tournament games with nobody in the stands. Well, they're, now, already, they're already doing that in Italy with Serie A. Yes. But yeah. let me ask you this, Nate. What would it take to keep you out of an NCAA tournament game? Like if coronavirus was spreading. Um, if, if Duke was playing in um, North Carolina for the national championship. Okay. There's that. <laughs> but, 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 but that's probably not going to happen. Right? Like yeah. it would have to yeah. be Ebola. Like if, if it's if it's coronavirus, I mean, like I'm still going to the games, guys. Yeah. Like I'm not scared. Yeah, I'm not. I, this this one really doesn't have me afraid at all. I was at, I, I, when I was doing my grocery shopping this week, it was the weirdest thing. I needed, um, I wanted just to get normal, like, hand soap for the bathroom. You right, know, like, right. Like, a little bottle with the, you know, the squirter thing on top. And I was going down the aisle, and I didn't know where it was, because it's packed away in all the ladies, yeah. you know, makeup and stuff like that. And there was uh, one of the guys, the the clickless guys, you mm-hmm. know, number one, I had to navigate because he takes up yes. the whole aisle. And we all hate that. Yes. But then he's like, oh, the hand sanitizer's right there, but we're out. Right. And I was like, I'm not looking for it. That's <laughs> not what I'm here for. But his like, immediate assumption was I, I was there. I was looking for hand sanitizer. You would be stunned at how many people uh, every single day since this has gone down have come to me. Uh, in my place of business, and asking for face masks and hand sanitizers, and we haven't had any for over a week. But it is a nonstop barrage of "Do we have it? Do you have it? Do you have it? I need it." And well, you know, but here's what I like about when these things happen, because I'm I'm a generally clean person, 365 days a year. Right. You know, I wash my hands, brush my teeth, take showers every day. Sure. My house is clean. My car is clean. I'm a clean person, so I don't really panic when one of these things come out and feel like I got to get cleaner. Mm-hmm. But the dirty people start getting cleaner. Oh yeah, which I think is good for society. <laughs> probably, <laughs> I think good that's for all good of us. for everybody. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's not a bad thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, it's all interesting. It, there continue to be a lot of ripples from it. You know, we were talking about before we started recording. Um, the new James Bond movie's release date has been pushed out for six months uh, because all the theaters in China are closed, and with China being the second largest movie market, um, they wanted to wait and let this pass before they drop that film. So it's all interesting. There's a lot of ripples, but the only thing that I'm scared of is disruption. Like, I don't want to be quarantined for 14 days. I got too much stuff. Yeah, and I mean, really, that's more of a financial decision, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. And, okay, so I, I was talking to my mom the other day, and, and I'm not a conspiracy-type conspiracy person, conspiracy-type person at all. 
But I do kind of, it's interesting that before coronavirus, all we were hearing about is like the Hong Kong human rights protest. Right, right. Which which was a legitimate thing. Total legitimate thing. Don't hear much about that anymore. Nope. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I think they've all gone home. I everybody... <laughs> Did they get quarantined? Yeah, that's right. That's, that's the way you end a protest? Did you quarantine everybody? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, like I said, another conspiracy. Conspiracy. Why can't I say that word? I don't, what's wrong with you? I don't know. I, I just, it's too many syllables. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm from Kentucky. Um, but anyway, so, so, so let's outbreak. Yeah, outbreak. outbreak. This movie, 1995, March 10th release, ironically... As this movie was being released, there was a real-life outbreak of Ebola. Ebola, yep. Yeah, happening in Zaire, mm-hmm. which is where this movie and the outbreak actually starts mm-hmm. in the movie is in Zaire as well. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we start off with this scene, and I'd forgotten about this scene, but it's from the 60s Vietnam era, and there's this village with these people dying of this horrible disease that's supposed to be like an Ebola type of a disease, and you see some Americans come in in hazmat suits and checking it out and taking some blood and getting some samples. And then they, they leave. And the next thing you see are some planes coming over. And all the locals think that they're going to be dropping supplies and medicine and th- there to rescue them. When, in fact, it's it's just a bomb that vaporizes the village. And so that's how we start. That's how this movie opens up. Well, if you pay attention to that scene, too, you hear Donald Sutherland's voice in one of the hazmat suits. Yeah, yeah. Like when they first come. And, of course, we find out throughout this movie how how he's going to be involved from a um, military standpoint. Um, But, you know, it it was interesting because I caught that. I don't know if you caught Uh that or not. I did not catch that. Yeah. Yeah. So, So we have that opening scene. And then we skip ahead to, whatever, 28 years or so in the future. And we have... Um, Sam Daniels, who's military, everybody, pretty much everybody or most of the people in this movie have some military connection. Right, right. Very military foundation-based movie. Mm-hmm. So we have Sam Daniels. Um, I forget what he what is he like a lieutenant major or something like yeah, that. Yeah, in some special division, um, you know, associated with um, the the health stuff, the, the yeah, virology. He's a PhD. Yeah, he's yeah. a doctor. And um, all of a sudden, there's another outbreak. You know, there's a, 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 and it's also in Zaire. And so they send Sam out to it. You know, we, we kind of start getting the baseline for this movie. Um, we get introduced to Robbie, mm-hmm. who's his ex wife. Right. Um, played by Rene Russo. Rene Russo. And they kind of have some like dynamic where they're kind of. They're going through a divorce, but it's they're, they're separating all their stuff at the house, and there's some dogs that they're sort of sharing. Nobody wants the pictures, but everybody wants the, the dogs. dogs. Yeah, which is probably real life. Um, but I don't know. How did you feel about that, uh, that, that plot device? Um, you know how I feel about unnecessary romantic tension yes. in movies. Yes. And I think this one, I actually had to plan on talking about this later, but this was ridiculous. I totally agree. Totally, <laughs> totally agree. ridiculous. I mean, I do understand that there are couples that meet and they both have like high level jobs in similar fields or even the same field. But the way that they bring, keep bringing these two together throughout the movie, mm-hmm. and especially the way the movie ends, mm-hmm. is dumb. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I that's, totally uh, there's agree. not there's not a better word for it. It's just dumb. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, the, so but once again, as I've talked about multiple times. Every screenwriter thinks you have to have, even in a movie like this, you have to have some type of romantic interest, mm-hmm. something happen in there. Right, right. Which you don't. Right. Yeah, absolutely right. It yeah. was totally unnecessary, totally. I mean, she could have just been another 
scientist, another doctor, another med- uh, military professional that they just had a you know a, a, a relationship that was maybe it was tense, maybe it was friendly, whatever it is. You know, there were options. Yeah, I mean, he could like you know stole her term paper in college or something. You know, something. It, you know, it or it it didn't have to be the way they they built it. I'm, I'm not gonna you know. It's one of several things in this movie that it's just kind of like unnecessary. Yeah. But it's also, this is the mid nineties Hollywood drama. And this whole movie from start to finish is, is very kind of predictable in the sense that here's, you know, what's going to happen next, but they kind of do it like in a, in a, in a way that, you know, keeps the story moving along. But at the same time, you're kind of like, Oh, I, I, I know, yeah. I, yeah. I kind of thought seen, that was yeah, going to happen. I get this. Yeah. I get this. Right. So, um, yeah. So, you know, we get this infected monkey that comes over on a boat and, uh, it's the same monkey from friends, uh, by the way. Yeah, um, it's, it's a, a, how do you a capu- pronounce it? A capuchin monkey. Yeah, which, which interestingly enough, I know where you're going here. Uh, this monkey, you know, that comes from Africa. Right. In it the, doesn't live in Africa. Where is it? Yeah. South America. So, this South is a American South American monkey. monkey. But so, so in order to make this movie work, somebody would have had to smuggle the monkey from South America to Africa. Africa. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. you know, I want to, I want to see the backstory. I mean, is there, somebody needs to come out with like a, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, a movie that tells us how the monkey got to Africa right, in the first place. Right. But, you know, British actors play Americans all the time. American actors play foreign, you know, other nationalities. So I guess this monkey is just, you know, playing another monkey from another another continent. But anyway, yeah. we get this monkey who's infected on a boat, and then there's some exotic pet smuggling that goes on. Um, yeah, Patrick Dempsey. Patrick Dempsey. He's is, uh, exact, and, and his hair in this is fantastic. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it is beautiful. Unbelievable. Um, guys, it, it's just, it's a mane of hair. Yeah, now this is, and... and, and it's interesting because this was a few years after he did Can't Buy Me Love. Yeah. Because, I mean, that was like in the 80s. 80s. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and, of course, this is obviously well before Grey's Anatomy and mm-hmm. Enchanted and you know, everybody knows McDreamy now. But, um, he's yeah, he's just kind of like this punk rock motorcycle riding character. Smuggles in the monkey and he takes it to a pet, pet store. Right. Right. To sell it, and the guy rejects it because of the wrong gender. Yeah, yeah, and like, would it would if you were if you were wanting to buy an exotic monkey from Africa? That's really from South America. Does gender matter? Well, I think you can still move it, right? Like, I think it's like if somebody brings you a smuggled diamond, you're not going to be like, I wanted the princess cut. Why did you bring me this cut? I can't move this. Yeah, I mean, I mean, unless it was for breeding purposes, right? Um, yeah, it, it just kind of seems silly. So, you know, Patrick Dempsey takes the monkey. Um, out in the woods and lets it go, and then he hops. Well, up. well, the important thing about this is in, in the pet store, the monkey scratches the owner and feeds another monkey a banana that he's eaten yeah. off of. So that's that's the, the whole point of that. And then you get Patrick Dempsey, who is um, by now starting to get a little bit sick, and he's got this monkey. He doesn't know what to do with it, so he turns it loose into the woods. So now you've got this infected monkey with the Motaba virus that's out in the woods, and Patrick Dempsey. On an airplane and uh, gets gets back uh, home. Well, no, while while he's on the airplane, he's like starting to get sick. I mean, yeah. he looks like death. Yes, yeah. and, and he has this cookie in this, and yeah. we have this like scare scene that's completely unnecessary, uh-huh. where like this little boy comes up and he's like, "Can I have your cookie?" And Patrick Dempsey's like, you know, sweaty and red eyed, and you know, it's like, "Yeah, you can have." And he it. says something like, "Yeah, sure, champ," or something. Oh, like that. Oh, because the kid was dressed like a sheriff or sheriff. something. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah, like, yeah. "I'm not going to disobey the law," that's or it, something like yeah. that. Yeah. I'm paraphrasing, but, and then the mom shows up and's like, oh, kid, don't take the cookie. 
The movie would have been better if the kid took the cookie. It would have, yes. Because <laughs> who knows right. where that virus would have ended up. That's right. That's right. But the kid does not eat the cookie. The kid does not eat the cookie. He is still with us for all we know. Yes. Um, but as soon as uh, he lands in Boston. He, Jimbo is his name. His name is Jimbo Scott. Yeah. <laughs> Jimbo <laughs> Scott. I don't know anybody that goes by Jimbo, quite frankly. Well, it was the 90s. I mean, it, did it, you, I, no, I'm just joking. If, if, you, if your name is Jim... How hard would it have been for you to get the nickname Jimbo and for it to stick, to really and, you, stick. and for you to accept it? Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, I don't know. I guess Jimbo Fisher is probably the only one that I know of that's uh, a yeah. famous Jimbo football Fisher, coach. Yeah. But yeah, that might be on his birth certificate. It might be. <laughs> <laughs> that might be on his birth certificate. Uh, yeah. No. So anyway, but he gets he gets there. He sees his girlfriend. They hug. They kiss, and then he kind of collapses. He's infected. She's infected. Both of them die. In the hospital, right? Well, but not before. Um, now, at this point, when they're in Boston, this is when Renee Russo's character yes. Bo- was it Bobby or Robbie? Robbie. Robbie, Robbie gets caught in because she works for the CDC, I think. Yeah, she was, for disease she was control, the, a, a job in, with Dustin Hoffman's group in the military, and had gotten a, pr- a promotion or lateral or something to the CDC in Atlanta. So she actually goes in and inspects, mm-hmm. is like you know doing the inspection on him, and he's still alive, but he dies mm-hmm. like while she's there. And then she turns to the girlfriend and like, you know, tell me something, tell me something. And it's just like a weird panic scene. And then she's out. She's out. Yeah. Yeah. We, we really still don't know what's going on here. At this point in the movie, I'm still kind of engaged. Yeah. At this point, you still there's still a lot of interesting things that could happen. And there's still the the idea of um, what's going on with this virus. How is it going to transmit? How is this all going to work out? It is still very engaging and uh, seems realistic and legitimate. Right, because what happens in the next scene is Rudy, who was the pet shop owner, uh-huh. he gets sick and he dies. Mm-hmm. And then there's the, I don't know, the at the morgue, whatever, the, somebody like checking a vial of blood. Well, it was in the lab from the yeah. hospital or yeah. whatever where they had drawn blood and they were going to test it. And we get this scene that is, is one of the most absurd things I've ever seen. In yeah, film. this is where the movie starts kind of like... Yeah, go ahead. It, it just veers off because you've got this scientist and he's watching a baseball game or something like following it or listening on the phone or something. Not not phone, but, you know, paying attention to something other than his work. And he just sticks his hand down in the centrifuge with vials of blood. And he the, the vials shatter, get blood all over him. He gets cut. And so then you've got him that's infected and his blood is just spewed all and over nobody, the place. I, nobody – nobody – no scientist would ever do that. I would no. imagine if you're a scientist where you're working with vials of whether it's blood or any type of enzyme, any type of bacteria, whatever, you're very careful around Right. And I we, mean, I'm careful when I like open like a new pepper shaker. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I don't know that this guy was a scientist, but at minimum, a laboratory technician knows what they're dealing with. And this was 1995. So by this point, post-AIDS, we, we understand blood-borne pathogens and the transmission of it. So right. post-AIDS. And you know better than to stick your hand down in here. and Yeah, and it splatters all over his face. Yeah. And <clears throat> then he decides to go see a movie. Now, right. I didn't catch which movie it was. I didn't either. I, and I don't know. Maybe it doesn't I, show. I, yeah. But he, he, he's at the movie theater. He starts getting sick. He runs out. He calls over a bunch of people. And all of a sudden, it starts the spreading of this. Of this virus. The and outbreak. This, this is the outbreak. And this scene is is is. Pretty good, I think, in terms of just showing him sick in the theater, showing him coughing, showing him walking through. Like, this is something that you might see. Uh, it, w- it would be like a little high school film where it's, this is how diseases spread, you know. Yeah. And so, you know, he infects all these innocent people in the theater. 
Yeah, and, and and so all of a sudden now we have this town, Cedar Creek, I think Cedar it's called. Cedar Creek, California, right? Yeah, fictional, fictional town. Yeah. Um, and this whole town gets infected. And so that kind of starts this whole kind of rolling plot for the rest of the movie, and, and we'll come back to it. But um, So let's talk a little bit uh, more just kind of baseline around the movie. Um, it was directed by Wolfgang Peterson. Yes, and he is he has done some great stuff. He's done a couple of stinkers, but... He's directed one of my very favorite movies and one of your very favorite movies, different movies, but he did Air Force One, which yep. I know you love. Love and, Air Force One. And he did The Perfect Storm, which I love, is one yep. of my favorites. Yep. He did In the Line of Fire, In the which Line of Fire great. is good. Never in um, Story. Never in Story is a good one. Troy is is watchable. Enemy Gossip Mine. Boo. Yeah. Louis yeah. Gossett Jr. Uh-huh. We got to get we gotta get Louis Gossett Jr. movie on here. He did a horrible remake of The Poseidon Adventure called yep. Simply Poseidon. That was right. a bad one. But right. he's got he he's made some great stuff, and oftentimes there's this threat of impending doom or you know something like yeah. that you know a disaster that's about to occur so that's not uncommon for him it's kind of right. a wheelhouse sort of a genre for him yeah it builds up to something really bad that can happen but at the end of the day the good guy wins yeah, yeah type yeah. stuff and he i mean except he, in perfect storm yeah yeah um but i mean he directed a movie as recently recently as 2016 mm-hmm. I, I don't re- recall what it was but i mean you know he's still been working recently now here's my only knock on wolfgang peterson though is he actually, and I, you might have read this quote somewhere, but he called Outbreak the Jaws of the 90s. Yeah, I, I know that. And um, that's an unfortunate misquote. Um, not misquote, but an unfortunate misstatement. But in, if you're trying to self-promote, we live in a day and era of self-promotion where everybody talks about whatever they do as being the greatest thing. Uh, maybe he was ahead of his time. Okay, well, I'll give him that then. I'll give him that. that yeah, he was just self-promoting it, but... Um, this isn't even the Jaws of, um, of 1995. March, of March 1995. <laughs> <laughs> because you know that this, so this movie did open number one at the box office uh-huh. and it stayed there for, I don't know, three, four, five weeks. But you know what took it over? No. Tommy Boy. <laughs> oh, well, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Tommy Boy might be the Jaws of 1995. <laughs> it might be. Yeah, this movie was made for $50 million. In the U.S., it made 67 And globally, it made $189 million. So, you know, solid, not not blockbuster level. But it, it was a successful film. Yeah, no, no, it was a success. Yeah, it made money. Um, it, now, here's what I thought was kind of interesting, too. Now, did you look into the music at all? I didn't. Okay, so the, the person that did the music for this movie is uh been on our uh, we've talked about him before is James Newton Howard. Oh, I did I did see that, yes. Yeah, we cover he was we covered him in Dave. Yeah. So if you want to hear more about him, go back to Dave. But I mean this guy, you know, we said it in Dave, he knows what he's doing. He's yeah. been a part of lots of yeah. stuff. Yeah, great, lots of great, stuff. Great, great. And and writer. I thought the music was good in this yeah. and, and I and I think it brought the movie along. Mm-hmm. It was it was really good as far as just kind of, you know, just good Hollywood, you know. Yeah. You know, it wasn't original song, it wasn't Forrest Gump type stuff. Right, right. But it was just good orchestral. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a good song. Yeah. Good score. Good score. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that. Um, okay, so we got Wolfgang Peterson out of the way, and we've got uh, Cedar Creek that is now infected. And during all of this, we start. We get to some tension between um, Dustin Hoffman's character and Morgan Freeman, who is his superior in the mm-hmm. army, and. Uh, more, uh, Dustin Hoffman, Brigadier really, General really, Ford. Ford, yeah, and uh, and Sam wants to go be involved in this, and uh, Ford says, "No, you're going someplace else. You're sending him to another assignment." Well, and that really comes down from McClintock, yeah, who's the Donald, Donald Sutherland character. Sutherland. Now, McClintock is a major general. Mm-hmm. 
I, I, I never served in the military, so I get really confused. Who? It seemed like Sutherland had two stars. So right. is, that, is, is a brigadier a two-star general and a major general a one-star I guess, general? I guess so. Because Ford only had one star. Right, right. Yeah, so... All I know is you don't want to mess with the rear admiral. That's all I know. <laughs> no, stay away from those guys. <laughs> um, don't sneak up on them. Yeah, right. Uh, but, uh, yeah, but I think that um, command... Mm-hmm. For Dustin Hoffman's character, for Sam, yeah, it came down came from, from McClintock. McClintock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we get this, and then somehow, I don't. So there's two or three scenes in this movie where I'm like, "What kind of military are you guys running, man?" Because he goes to get on his plane, and he just tells everybody. He tells the guy, "Nope, I've been ordered to go here," and he's like, "You know, no, you're supposed to be on this plane. No, you don't want me to call Ford right now in the middle of the night and wake him up." And the the Soldier says, okay, go get on your plane. Like, yeah. It was very, very much like, what was the movie that we did where there was a scene where there was like a, like, it was kind of towards the end where there were like dumb military people? Oh, that was in Splash. In Splash. Yeah. yeah in Splash. Yeah. yeah it, it, I think this was one of those movies that kind of like underplays. I mean, I'm, you know, the military, they still follow orders. Yes. But they don't follow orders blindly. Right. Yeah, I mean, just because you outrank somebody doesn't right. mean you can come in and say, ooh, I, you do this now, I outrank you, and okay, uh, I got to go, whatever. Yeah, there's a there, lot. There's got to be more involved. There, there are several scenes in this movie, and I'll get to a couple more of them later, but where it, it just makes the U.S. military look like a bunch of buffoons, and this was one of them. Yeah. And it's, it's just, just unrealistic and silly. Right. No, I would agree. I would agree. And I think that's probably one of the downfalls of this movie is it portrays the protagonist as a fool. Yeah. And I never like that. Whether your protagonist is the military, whether it's cops, whether it's the Russians, whether it's whomever. Protagonists, a good antagonist-protagonist matchup, Mm -hmm. a good story, neither one of them should be a fool. Right. They should both be like people that are cunning and people that are trying to outsmart each other mm-hmm. um, and trick each other. When one of them is portrayed foolishly, then the whole movie or the whole story falls yeah. apart. Yeah, I think that's right. I yeah. think that's right. I mean, I, that's just my plot. You know. You, yeah, or or the other side of it, they just all, everybody needs to be a fool, right? And right. then you get exactly. dumb and dumber, and it's real good, right? Exactly. Yeah. No, there has they have to be kind of on equal footing. Yes, they yes. have to be on equal footing. Um, but you're exactly right that there's a, a, a lot of scenes in this movie that, um, and we'll talk about them later, where just people are just doing dumb stuff that even, you know, a dumb person wouldn't do. Yeah, 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 <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. But yeah, so the, they also at this time, they start finding out that the virus has gone airborne. Mm-hmm. And it's spreading and, you know, different people are, you know, catching it in different ways. Now, here's the one difference between the uh, Metaba virus and uh, the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. Now, I haven't seen pictures of coronavirus deaths. Right. But it sounds like the flu. Yeah, it's it's a lot. It's um, respiratory uh, failure is what ends up getting people. And and I'm sure it's painful. I'm sure it's awful. But, man, they made this virus, like, just bad bad to look at. I mean, just boils and... It's like Ebola, you know, bleeding out your eyes and all of that stuff. It's just a horrible, horrible virus. So, yeah, they did make this look like one of them that you don't want any part of. And, like, I was thinking about that at the beginning, too, because they were showing them working on a couple of viruses, and one of them was Ebola, and one of them was Hantavirus. And I don't know if you're familiar with Hantavirus, but it's a virus that's carried by mice, 
uh, particularly in the Southwest, California, New Mexico. And this was kind of a, a it kind of got some some fame in the 90s because early 90s because there were some outbreaks. But it's kind of like coronavirus flu. It causes an upper respiratory distress situation. And I was like, it, it's not on the same level with Ebola, right? Like, no, it's, I mean, yeah, it's just, I don't, there's something about pussy skin that yeah. gets to me. Yeah, yeah I, I, mean, I don't know. I, yeah. I, 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 keep keep some, your pus to yourself, man. <laughs> keep it to yourself. Yeah. No, no one, one character that we haven't talked about yet in this movie is um, Lieutenant Colonel Casey character. Mm-hmm. Played by Kevin, Kevin Spacey. Spacey. Yep, he's really good in this movie. I think he's good too. I think he. I think it's a good role. I think it's still kind of like what we talked about with the ref. Like you can still kind of tell he's a jerk, but yeah. he, he's really good in that role. He's kind of a smart Alec, but he's he's you know. And, he, and he's the only one that actually won any awards, and it wasn't a major award; it was like a Critics' Choice yeah, or something like right, that. Right. But I mean, he you no, know, he's actually pretty good in this movie. He's he's very kind of um, you know kind of straight laced, kind of sarcastic. Now, here's something um, interesting. Did you notice? And this was pretty early on in the movie that he was using a laptop to fax. Yes, I did information. See that. Yes, and I was like that. 1995. Yeah, the military. I'm, I'm sure the military had that right. then. But it was just kind of still pretty cool. Yeah, it and was how cool. blocky it was, yeah. how big it was. Yeah, yeah. But um, I, th- I thought that was kind of fun. But um, the virus starts spreading. They got everybody in. They're trying to figure it all out. And at this point now, they've let um, Sam mm-hmm. and his team, because his team's made up of Kevin Spacey, right? Um, Cuba, Cuba Gooding Jr., Jr., who plays a guy named Salt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I don't know what he is. He might be. He's a major. Um, but. Uh, they're all working on the virus, trying to figure it all out here in Cedar Creek. And we start seeing, like, just stupid stuff happen. Like, Kevin Spacey somehow gets infected, like, like a cut in his well, he, suit. He, he rips his suit. He doesn't get infected, but he has a. he's getting ready to go in, but he's got a rip in his suit, and he hadn't checked his hazmat suit. And so they duct tape it, yeah. duct tape coming through again. Like, it's hard for me to believe that I would trust duct tape if I'm getting ready to go into an Ebola zone. At that point, wouldn't you just change suits? That's exactly what I would do. Yeah. That's exactly what I would do. <laughs> Um, you know, uh, and you know, they do talk about, you know, he talks, there's some talk about everybody being tired and sleep and all that stuff. And, you know, we get another rip in the suit later on when Casey gets infected and, uh, you know, we get, um, Robbie gets infected because she ends up stabbing herself through her vinyl glove, and yeah, it's, it's it just, a lot it, of it's a it's a lot of. I mean, all the way going back to that lab technician, there's a lot. The way the I mean, the the airborne virus spreading through people interacting in public that's normal and expected but a bunch of people that professionally for their jobs a, a lot of sloppy professionals just here. lots of it yeah a lot of sloppiness you know to create this like drama that just you know that 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 isn't necessary now one of my favorite scenes though and not because it's good but because it's so cheesy mm-hmm. and i can't believe that it happened in 1995 because it looked like something on the dukes of hazard yeah was when the town starts rebelling because essentially yeah. what happens yeah. is mcclintock orders like martial law right over the town and they bring in all the military they won't let anybody leave because they want to keep the virus contained mm-hmm. in cedar creek and like the citizens are getting restless and they want to leave. So these couple of friends decide we're out of here. And they take their like 1975 Ford Ranger pickup trucks yeah. and start driving out of town. And, and this is when we get our first helicopter scene. There is a shocking amount of helicopter in this film. <laughs> there is. There's more helicopter movies. There's more helicopter in this than Apocalypse Now. Yeah. All right. <laughs> 
I mean, and yeah, it's and, and they're driving out, and they're like, we can outrace him, and the helicopters are coming. They're being chased by cops, and they're you know making all these jungle or not jungle, but you know backwood moves, like driving over hills and driving through barricades. And then all of a sudden, this helicopter hovers down on him. Uh-huh. It's like, we will shoot you if yeah. you don't stop. We will shoot you, and they do. Yeah, they completely shoot down innocent people that are trying to leave the town. Yeah. We're going to get into this later because there's a real constitutional problem with this film. Um, and by that, I mean the United States Constitution, friends. Um, but anyway, there, there's some cool helicopter. Some of the helicopter sequences are kind of cool, a little silly, but kind of cool. Like there's one scene where there's a news helicopter that's trying to get over the town and get footage. And the, all of a sudden, you know, these two military choppers come up right after it. And there's some maneuvering in the sky that's pretty, you know, impressive. And, and Oh, there's unwise. great maneuvering. I'm, I will talk about the chase scene later. Yeah. But, I mean, that was good maneuvering but Mm -hmm. just completely unrealistic and unrelated to what the story was right that's right yeah 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 there's not really this need to i don't to go to go quite that far but you know it was fun to watch and you know cool scenes and that's kind of what this movie ends up being is like 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 little snippets of scenes little action pops that are Mm fast-paced and i mean if you take it for what it's worth if you mean you know this is not amade Right. This is not an Oscar-nominated movie. Right. It has a lot of characters in it that have won Oscars. Well, this is amazing. So in this sequence, we have Dustin Hoffman has two Oscars. Morgan Freeman has one Oscar. Cuba Gooding Jr. has one Oscar. Kevin Spacey has two Oscars. And Donald Sutherland has an honorary Oscar. So, I mean, let me go back and count that. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven Oscars in this whole film. So of the actors. So a great cast, lots of Oscars, but not for this one. You know, for what that's worth, lots of great actors and uh, um, lots of Oscars from previous performances. All right, so since we're talking about these actors, let's just go ahead and get into Dustin Hoffman, since we're we're looking at talking about Oscar-winning actors and the the star power actually in this movie. Yeah, I mean, Dustin Hoffman's a very unique actor. Yeah, I think that's probably right. I think "unique" is probably a good word for that. Well, and he and he, you know, he made his reputation off of being like the anti-leading man, right? And which is interesting because Donald Sutherland, who's you know obviously also in the movie, is kind of like that too. Yeah, I, I think that's right. But yeah, I mean, you know, he, you know, obviously his biggest first first big hit was The Graduate. The Graduate, which is a great movie. It's it's one of my favorites. I love that. Oh, movie. absolutely. I mean, it's I, I think it's one of those that anybody should watch. Absolutely. Now, are you watching it though for the movie, or are you watching it for the music? I think the movie's great. I think the acting in that's great. Anne Bancroft and Dustin Hoffman, it's it's really good. But the music is amazing in it as well. It's it's that was a fairly transformative movie too. It was kind of this coming of age story and just just a lot of the themes in that I think are still really interesting to visit. Well, and when you think about it too, coming out in the late sixties, I mean coming out in sixty eight, like during, you know, the hippie movement, mm-hmm. you got like, you know, Sergeant Pepper, you're in between the Kennedy shootings, and you know, you got MLK, all that kind of stuff. And then you have this movie about this like, you know, young man getting seduced by this beautiful older woman. That's the mom of one of his yeah. friends. Yeah. It's just very like different and not expecting. And I can imagine there are a lot of men, younger men, sure, and probably older men too, that weren't part of that free love, right, hippie movement that were like, oh, now that can happen to me too. Yeah. Well, that and <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. That's that's one theme, and you know, the other one is this guy who doesn't want to be corporate, and he wants to, you know, he knows what he's supposed to do coming out of college, but ultimately, it kind of wants to rebel against what the 
the corporate structure and what he's been trained to do, you know, in his, his professional career. So th- that's another reason why that movie, I think, played so well at the time that it came out. Yeah, and I mean, he, and he has two Oscar wins. Now, he didn't win one for The Graduate. He got nominated for The Graduate. He, right. also, he also got nominated for Midnight Cowboy, for Lenny, which I don't think I've ever seen Lenny. I didn't see Lenny either. Yeah, and then also got nominated for Tootsie, Tootsie. and Wag the Dog. Uh-huh. And then one for Kramer versus Kramer and Rain and Man. And Rain Man, yeah. So, um, you know, he's got six Golden Globes. He's got the Cecil DeMille Award. He won an Emmy for Death of the Salesman mm-hmm. in 86. He was nominated for a Tony. Yeah. Merchant of Venice. So, I mean, he's, he's, you know. And made some really entertaining movies because in addition to all of those that are great, and Tootsie's still a great movie and Rain Man's a great movie, but, you know, he did uh, Dick Tracy, which he's great in that as, as Miles. Oh, yeah. That's really yeah. good. I, I Judge me if you will, but I thought Hook was a good movie. I, I, I watched Hook a few years ago and I thought it was still pretty, it still, still held good. up pretty well. Yeah, he was in the Fokker series. You know, yeah, he's done a hero. lot of, yeah. No, uh, and, and he was awesome in, in this movie that got, like, such incredible reviews, in this movie called, called Ishtar. Ishtar, yeah. Ishtar. Ishtar. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you don't know Ishtar, that was, like, one of the biggest bombs. In in box office history. In box office, because it was him and... Uh, Warren Beatty. Warren Beatty, and Warren Beatty hadn't done anything for a while. Mm-hmm. And it just, it was terribly... It was an expensive movie, and it was a movie that was um, hyped, and then it was just... Flat. Like 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 think of like what how cats what happened to cats yeah, this that's year? That's a great great cats with but with better actors. But with better actors and with uh, you know a, a bigger build up and, yeah. and more anticipation. Um that that's the, the asterisk on his resume, except that it's kind of awesome because he's got Ishtar on his resume. Uh, yeah, exactly. Now you know he wanted to be a concert pianist. Yes. That was actually like his goal, and then you know, somehow he starts taking acting classes and you know, starts getting the acting bug. Now, you know who he shared an apartment with uh, back in the 60s, don't you? No, who's that? He, him, uh, Gene Hackman, and Robert Duvall all oh, lived wow. together right before yeah. you know, right before they all started getting famous. Right. Uh, that I mean, but, I mean, it probably wasn't that exciting in an apartment. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, it, you know, because you hear about some of those other stories. I forget. There's like a story like with Jack Nicholson and some other guys, and they all seem like really cool guys to hang out with and party with. Right. I'm not sure Gene Hackman, Robert Duvall, and Dustin yeah, Hoffman. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Yeah, maybe, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I don't know. But, uh, well, I mean, it's interesting, too, because he's a very average-looking man. He's not, you know, he's not uh, a heartthrob or anything like that. Um, and I love in this movie where he makes a joke about his big nose. He makes some comment about that, which was really funny. I like that. Well, and there's also that. a joke when somebody's looking for him and Rene Russo says look for the tall big guy yeah 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 Yeah, so he he can obviously he can you know you know laugh at himself right and he but but he's ended up and as we see in film so often he ends up with this beautiful woman renee russo and in real life i'm not sure that would play but no and like same thing with the graduate with the graduate that's right Right. i mean is he giving hope to short i'm not gonna want to call him ugly that'd be mean but short Short. non strikingly handsome men absolutely (laughs) how about that absolutely is he giving hope to them no, that's exactly right. Like, it's uh, kind of like Kevin James. Like, here's Kevin James, this heavy guy and kind of average looking, but he ends up with on the screen with some good looking women. And so you're like, okay, yeah. maybe it can work. If, if Kevin James and Seth Rogen are getting it done, eh, maybe I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think you could. So, uh, I mean, Dustin Hoffman's kind of a part of that. We've talked about this before. The, the, the kind of like legacy actors, the De Niro's, the, you know, 
Clint Eastwoods, you know, those type of people. We talked about Harrison Ford Harrison last week Ford, in Witness. We talked to you about him with Witness. I mean, where does, where does Hoffman fit into all this, or how does he fit into it? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, he's He's not a corner piece. No. Is no. he an edge piece in the puzzle? Probably. I think he really is. I think he is one of the, the best actors of his generation, and he's done, like we just discussed, multiple iconic films. And so, and not just as a second player, he's been a leading role in those films. And so I think that when you look at his filmography and the things that he's done, I think definitely an edge piece in terms of uh, male actors of the of the 20th century. Do you have a favorite movie of his? I, it's probably The Graduate. Um, I would say that one, uh, and I do love Rain Man, but The Graduate's the best one. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, I mean, I would go back and forth. Um, I, I hate when I when I my conclusion on any performer, whether it's music, film, whatever, right. is one of their first big mm-hmm. things. You know, um, I don't know. There's something in my mind that's just like, hey, they peaked at the beginning mm-hmm. and then their career carried on from there. But I, I kind of, I think if you take Graduate in 68 and Rayman, what was that, like 89? 88, I think, 89, 89, something, 89 something like that. Something like that. You know, that's 20 years. Yeah, yeah. And for, for I would say arguably his two, if not best, but most rewatchable good movies. Now, is he due for like another big movie? Does he have one left in him? I would say if he wants it, he can't. He uh, he he is due. So what's the last big movie he did, or last good movie he did? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I I can't remember what the last. I don't know. Yeah. So I I, I think I th- I think he's due for one more. Kind yeah, of, maybe kind of in like some we kind just of... saw with all the guy people in the Irishman. Yeah. I think I think Dustin Hoffman's due for one more good one. Maybe one more like Oscar nomination. Maybe not a win. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 he, he's just a good actor. And I think it goes back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago is it's like, he's not the, like a typical Hollywood star, right? You know, and you can put him in a role where it's just him acting and he's just enjoyable to watch yeah. on, on screen. Just a really good actor. That's right. Yeah. And, and you, we have Renee Russo. She's never won any major awards. No. And I think that's probably fair. But she's been in some great movies. She's been in, you know, Major League, In the Line of Fire, Get Shorty, Ten Cup, Ransom, Thomas Crown Affair, Thor. She's done, you know, some really good and really entertaining movies. Well, and she deliberately took a break in yeah. 05. She decided, I'm just, I'm tired of the rat race. Mm-hmm. You know, I need some time off. She took some time off and got involved in some different things. I think she eventually, like, opened up, like, a dairy farm or something oh, like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then she's, you know, came back for, like, the superhero movies. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's easy money and you're only in it for, like, 20 minutes. Yeah. Right? And so, you know, she she's, I think she's played her career well. Mm-hmm. I, right? I, I agree with that. I, I don't think she's an elite actress, um, but she is good. And good enough, and she's recognizable. been recognizable. She's been in some really good, entertaining things, and parlayed that into a nice career. Um, I will tell you that my favorite of hers is and always will be Major League. Like, oh, absolutely. I mean, that's. That. Uh, I mean, that's not even a movie that. Like, when we talk about the types of movies that we'll do for this podcast, there's certain ones that we'll bring up, and we'll be like, no, because everybody knows it's still good, and you see it all the time. And Major League kind of falls into that category. No doubt, no doubt. Like, you know, yeah. I, I had a, a a guy I went to high school with. Um, sent me a message when we were, you know, three or four episodes deep into this, and he said, you guys should do Major League, and I just was like, you don't get the show. You don't <laughs> yeah, get the show. Yeah, that's not, yeah. We, everybody <laughs> knows it's still good. Yeah. yeah. Now, okay, so is this our first Morgan Freeman movie? I think it is. Yeah, I think so, too. I have mixed feelings on Morgan Freeman. What do you think about Morgan Freeman? I like Morgan Freeman, and I think that um, he's one of those actors who, 
when he burst onto the scene, when we first kind of saw him in, you know, in Glory and Driving Miss Daisy, when that was when I first became aware of him as an actor. And then you saw him in some other stuff. You know, he was in Robin Hood and Victus. Yeah, but and he's got a couple of really big ones that I think are really good. And obviously, Shawshank is probably his yeah. very best yeah. um, movie. That's it's the one. And he won. He won his Oscar for Million, for Million Dollar, Dollar Baby. Baby. And he was nominated for obviously Driving Miss Daisy, Shawshank, and Invictus, but also for a movie called Street Smart, which I yeah. never heard of before. Yeah, I, I've heard of it, but I didn't, hadn't seen it. Um, I think he's great. I mean, he's. I think he's a great actor. I, I think my um, and it's not a beef at all. I mean, do what you do what you got to do, man. I think he o- is oversaturated in the sense that he does so much voice work. Well, I think that's right. He, he's a lot like to me um, Samuel L. Jackson in that regard. Not yeah. that Sam Jackson does a ton of voice work, but you did get a saturation point, and you got a lot of characters that were kind of similar. So there's a little bit of that with him. Um, but now, but, but I love his voice work because you know I watch a lot of, like science stuff and History Channel. And he, well, he narrated March of the Penguins. That's a great yeah. Documentary. I mean, I, I mean, I, I mean, and he's a great narrator. I yes. mean, I think he might be a better narrator than he is an actor, and he's uh, a great actor. Voice, iconic voice. It's yeah, I mean, so it's. I mean, he's right. So it's like I don't. I'm. I'm not saying that it's bad. It's just like once again oversaturation. Yeah. 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 You know? I agree. I agree. Um, Cuba Gooding Jr. has an Oscar. He has an Oscar for Jerry Maguire, and he has a lot of junk on his resume after that. Like, he hasn't done a lot that I have thought was great. No, but he's... He, Jerry Maguire isn't even my favorite movie that he's been in. Yeah. I mean, Boys in the Hood. Yeah, Boys in the Hood is a good one. Boys in the Hood was good, and A Few Good Men, even though it was a yes. little bit of a smaller part. Small role, he's in good ensemble. in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, mean, he's a fine actor, but he... It's, it's one of those things, you see somebody win an award like he won for... Uh, Jerry Maguire, and then a lot of times you think this is going to springboard this person. This person's a really good actor. They're going to get meaty roles. They're going to deliver, you know, a lot of performances that are iconic later on. And you know, for him, name recognition, you know him when you see him. But and I don't know if it's just not landing the right roles or what it is, but it, it just didn't really turn in that direction. Well, no, I had him pegged as like somebody that could have became a leading man, but Me it too. never took Me off too. for him. It never took off for never him. Did. And and he did that, you know, the one movie, I forget what it was called, where he was the, like, scuba diver. Like Oh, that was a good one. That was really that good. That was a good one with De Niro, where it was, yeah. uh, and, that, and that was um, Men of Honor, is that the name of that one? Maybe. I think so. And that's about a, a guy who was um, originally from um, Kentucky, the oh, diver. Oh, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, I he's from, um, I think, Hardin County down yeah. in, so he's from Kentucky. I mean, I, I think Cuba's a really good actor, but I also think that he doesn't. There's nothing unique about him, mm-hmm. right? It's like so, and and so I think that might have been kind of like kind of he got held into a box a little bit. Yeah. You know, there's it, and maybe maybe it's a fact of him not you know role selection like you were saying, right? Um, but I wouldn't be ashamed of his career if I was him. He's had a great career. No, absolutely, a great career. Kevin Spacey, who I really don't want to. We talked we about talked him about a lot with, in, in, the in the ref. Go back and listen to that podcast yeah. if you haven't. We'll talk about Kevin yeah. Spacey And like there I said and, earlier, he was really good in this movie. Um, J.T. Walsh. J.T. Walsh is uncredited in this as the chief of staff. I love J.T. Walsh. J.T. Walsh. He's such a great, great character It's actor. like I think I, I, you know, you've seen before he's like the best like bad guy ever. <laughs> I, I, he, is, he is fantastic. I love him. And I think Donald Sutherland is such a good bad guy. He is such a... He has that look, he, his voice, all of everything about him just oozes 
badness. Well, I think. the funny and, thing is, I, I see, I disagree with that. Now, of course, in this movie he is, and there's been lots of movies where he has been. But kind of what we were talking about with Dustin Hoffman earlier, as far as not being like the epit, you know, the epitome or the typical leading man. Because I love, I love Donald Sutherland. Yeah, and not just because he's Kiefer's dad. Right. I mean, I, you think about like Mash and you know, uh, um, oh shoot, what, shoot, what are the other ones? Animal House, Dirty Dozen, <laughs> yeah, Animal House, Kelly's Heroes, yeah, Ordinary People. I mean, Six Degrees of Separation. Now, my favorite Donald Sutherland character that he ever played was in this uh, TV show. Um, I don't know if you remember this one or not. Do you remember the TV show uh, Dirty Sexy Money? Yes, with Peter Krause and. Uh, I think Portia de Rosie was in it. I think that's right. I never watch it, but I, I think that's exactly right. Yeah, and it was freaking awesome. And I wanted the Baldwin brothers in it. Uh-huh. Um, and it was great. But unfortunately, it got it, it didn't survive the writer's strike. Uh-huh. Whenever, then, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, when the when the writer the Hollywood writers had their strike back in whatever that was. But I've always loved Donald Sutherland. He's quirky. Uh-huh. He can be quirky and funny and goofy, but then he can also be like hard and like I think he's a great actor. I think he's a great actor too. I think he's I think he's better as a bad guy than as a good guy, but he's great. Now, do you know who originally was slotted to play his role in this film? No. It was Jodon Baker. But oh, yeah. but the the director, I don't know if it's Peter Weir, the production company, whoever, they wanted somebody who was more like an Oliver North character. And so they said, "Well, let's get Donald Sutherland." And he That's does have this Donald North, Oliver North yeah. Uh, yeah. vibe about him. He does. Um, no, I, I did not know that. That's really great. Um, so, I mean, like we said earlier, I mean, the cast is fantastic. It is. And, and the monkey was good. Yes. Oh, yeah. 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 The, the monkey. There were two monkeys. You had the host monkey, and mm-hmm. then you had the monkey that died in the pet shop. Right. And so this is a good spot to get back into what's going on in the movie, right? Yeah. Like, so... They 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 sort of realize in, in all of this that the virus has mutated too. Right. Yes. Yeah. It's not the original virus that they had back in the sixties. Mm-hmm. It's a different virus now. Mm-hmm. And Dustin Hoffman, Sam, you know, Sam Daniels' character is starting to figure this out. Right. And so, and I don't know the science. I'm not a very scientific person. But basically, the way that they find this out, or what happens next, is Sam is able to determine that Ford, Morgan Freeman's character, General Ford knew about the virus mm-hmm. all along. Right. And there's there's um, some antivirus, not antivirus, but there's some serum, there's some antidote um, that he ends up having a, a, a bag of, uh, you know, on his desk. And, and this is what kind of tips Sam off as to, you know, there's something going on. Because from this 1967 research, they've gone back out and sort of created a cure for this um, virus. They, they've they've the original. Realized, the original virus. Yeah. And... And, of course, now Sam's like, wait a minute, and pieces start coming together in his head. You guys know a lot more about this than you guys are letting on. Mm-hmm. And especially when you go back to the beginning of the movie when they took Sam off the case. Mm-hmm. And Sam fought to get back on it and kind of lied and cheated and still stole to get back into the case. He's starting to get really suspicious now of Ford. And him and Ford have a very good relationship. Right. You know, they're, I, I don't know if you call it mentor-mentee, but... They they obviously have known each other for years, and there's a lot of times in this movie, especially as we start getting towards this third act, where Sam is questioning their friendship. Mm-hmm. You know, do you do I even know you anymore? Right. You know, things like that. And then we also find out that McClintock 
has started putting together this order, and I forget what the name of the order was. You might remember. I don't recall. Yeah, some some order to... Some order that what they're going to essentially do is bomb the town. Just like they like at the beginning of the movie when they bombed the village to contain the virus, they're now going to bomb Cedar Creek, mm-hmm. you think, to contain the virus. Mm-hmm. But that's not really why they're going to bomb it. And now the movie starts getting silly. Well, so it, it this is where so this is the uh, issue where it becomes um, my constitutional question, right? Like this is at best unconstitutional, or or at best a war crime, and it, at worst unconstitutional. But I think, and I'm not a legal scholar, and I'm not uh, an attorney, but I think this probably is a blatant violation of the Fifth Amendment, which says that no person shall be deprived life liberty or property without due process of law now it's unfortunate if you get sick but we don't have a law against getting sick at this point so this feels this reeks of an unconstitutional situation an illegal situation and something that really would never happen right exactly and and this is where the movie loses me i mean like i said i thought the first act was pretty good the way that it builds up and the the virus starts to spread and the story behind that, the second act of kind of dis- uncovering what's happening was okay. When we get into Act Three, oh my goodness, it's, it's I, I struggled to it's get through. Full it. on silliness. It's just it full it's on bad. silliness. It's, it's like Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah, it's like where, where's Wiley Coyote? Right. Where's the Roadrunner? It's it just gets dumb. Yeah, you know we get so we get this scene where. Um, uh, they've kind of detained Sam's character, but somehow he breaks out of his detention. He gets somebody to help him, and they hijack a helicopter. Well, they get sawed. He gets yeah, sawed. He's like, hey, sawed. How good of a helicopter pilot are you? And he's like, I'm the best ever, blah, blah, blah. And this is like about the second or third time, and that's the thing, too, that builds up to Act 3. Because we have a scene that's in Act 1, the first time they're exposed to the virus when they're in Africa, where Sam and the Kevin Spacey character are like, hey, Salt, have you ever seen anything like this? And he's like, no, but... And he spits off all this medical jargon. He's like, I can handle it. But then he, like, throws up in his mask and rips his mask off. off. Um, And, uh, you know, so... But then we get this other scene now where it's like, hey, can you fly... Like, Salt's like the most confident guy ever. Yes. It's like, I can do it, coach. Put me in, coach. (laughs) I'll hijack this helicopter (laughs) for you. helicopter. And this is when I talked about earlier when, uh, when they went to Rene Russo, who by now is already infected because mm-hmm. she pinpricked herself, which once, you know, that's kind of where all this started to slip. Yep. And she has the line, you know, hey, he's taller than he's bigger. Yeah. And they, so somehow, and then this is the second time that Dustin Hoffman's character talks down like another military right. person because he goes out to whoever's running the helipad mm-hmm. and is like, where's your pilot? Oh, he's in the bathroom. Oh, you need to go get him now. And this is the second breakdown, military breakdown that we have in this movie. Right. We're and we got one more innocent. coming. Yeah. And all, next thing you know, they steal the helicopter. And at this point, like McClintock has put the order out to have Sam arrested. Right. Like n- n- everything's out on the table. Do what you got to do to arrest this guy. And, they could have shut the helicopter down. Right. They were 10 feet away. Yeah. Th- 20 military people, and they didn't pull a trigger. Yeah. So we get this helicopter chase sequence, and, you know, like you said, they shot down the, the rednecks in the truck, but they wouldn't shoot down the guy that they're trying to arrest. <laughs> exactly. And so so we get some really interesting uh, helicopter sequences, some unbelievable sequences with the helicopters doing some vertical stuff and 180s and 
stuff you can't do in hell. Oh, oh, driving before, through a, flying through a. Oh, uh, oh before I, one other thing, um, before before you get too deep into this, is we also by now Sam knows McClintock's plan to bomb. Right, and he actually goes to Rene Russo to Robbie. She's already infected. Mm-hmm. She's dying, mm-hmm. and he says, "You need to get out of here. Or you by this time tomorrow, right. whatever. You need to get out of here." So this is one of my. Um, I'm going to call it a 24 moment in a movie. Okay. And I know that's going back to Kiefer Sutherland again. Because if you ever watched 24, did you ever watch 24? I didn't. No, I never watched it. Great show. Fantastic show. But here's the thing that like, like if somebody like Kiefer didn't want anybody to die and would kill all the bad guys. But if somebody close to him was about to die, Mm -hmm. everybody was on the table. Right. <laughs> it's like innocent people, kids, pets. Gotcha. You know, I'm going to let everything die to save the one person I yeah. love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though I'm supposed to be like the, you know, you know, superhero. And we have this happen with Dustin Hoffman where he's been spending this whole movie trying to fight this virus and knock it out and keep it contained. But yet he tells his ex-wife who has the virus. Mm-hmm. Leave. And, and we already know if you try to leave in a pickup truck, you're going to get shot. Yes. <laughs> Just dumb. I, I hate that in movies where you get like the this heroic character that all of a sudden, like all their altruism is gone. Mm-hmm. Just because it's like, I, I, oh, wait, I will let you leave and affect the rest of the world just so you can survive. Yeah. But don't you think that's kind of human? Like, I, I think it's dumb, but I think that. I think that would be an awfully hard spot if you know for someone to be in where you're you're trying to, to you've got these ideals, but as soon as somebody you love is threatened, I think it does kind of change the the calculus on that. Well, I've never been in that situation. I haven't either, but I suspect it probably would. So that kind of goes back to like, would you serve? Would you sacrifice? The person you love to save a million strangers. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I who knows what you do in that situation. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Anyway. Uh, he makes a decision and he says... And he says, get the hell out of get, here. Get, get out of here. Get out of here. And then now we escape in the helicopter and we have like 30 minutes of terrible helicopter it's, scenes. It's a, well, th- th- it's not terrible. It just <laughs> doesn't really... It's in an epidemiology movie. I'm not really sure why helicopter sequences are this necessary. But we get we get some stuff that's ridiculous, like I said, 180s, and we get uh, you know flying through a tunnel, and we get skimming over water. But ultimately, they uh, get this plan that they they fire a couple of uh, missiles into a mountainside uh, as they're evading the military helicopters that are chasing them, so that they will trick them into well, thinking they've well, crashed. Well, wait, wait, let's take it a step back too, because there's a few other like interesting things that happen before we get to that scene. Um, one is Daniels does confront Ford. Yes. And he gets the military lecture mm-hmm. about, you know, you're part of the military. Right. You have to do all this. It's like, you know, you're, you're involved in this too and all that. And then Ford, um, reaches out to McClintock and then we get the whole, we're always at war. Speech. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, there, we're always at war. No matter what, there's collateral, there's going to be collateral, collateral damage. damage. And it's just really bad dialogue. Yeah. I mean, just really kind of like right out of the shaker saw, like dialogue. That's just, I just dumb. Um, and, and, and then basically once they, they get out with their helicopter, we get, Oh, first. Oh, before they, before, and even before they, they land their helicopter first at the federal building in San Jose. Mm hmm. 
because what they're trying to do is track down the monkey. How did the monkey get? Oh, well, they didn't know. They didn't even know it was a monkey. They're trying to track down the host of the virus. At this right. Point. They're trying to track down the host of the virus, and so they go to the federal building and find out this monkey or this animal, animal. was on a <laughs> shipping container. Mm-hmm. And so now they take the helicopter. Oh yeah, and they. <laughs> And we get our second time this season in podcast where somebody drops from a helicopter to a ship. Yeah. <laughs> One movie was better than the other. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And so Dustin Hoffman jumps off the helicopter onto this freight container, goes in. They have like a dead body that's had the infection. None of them can speak English. He goes in and now he finds the picture of the monkey mm-hmm. in the guy's monk bed. Yeah. So now, now Dustin Hoffman knows you know, what the host looks like, and it's this little monkey from Friends. Yeah. And then, then, him and Cuba Gooding Jr. take the helicopter to a TV station uh-huh. that's reporting on the manhunt for, for Dr. Sam Daniels right. because McClintock has put that out on the air, and they, they run in with guns to- <laughs> And take over this TV station. This if you've never absurd. seen this movie, this actually all happened. We're not making this <laughs> yeah, up. This is how absurd it is. And they get on the camera, and nobody in the TV station kills the camera or does anything. Yeah. And Dustin Hoffman's holding us with this picture of the monkey. We found the host. If you've seen this monkey, well, and they get it. And sure enough, there just There's happens a, to be this this house where this lady where this and little girl lives. This little girl that's been feeding a monkey out in the backyard, and I, I, I it, <laughs> she's been feeding her with apples. Yeah, and she calls in. She calls the CDC, and even though Doctor Sam is like a wanted man at this point, the CDC either calls him or he calls him, and they give them give Doctor Sam the exact location. Mm-hmm. So Cuba Gooding Jr. flies his helicopter and like lands in their front yard, right? <laughs> They get out, they explain the situation uh, to the family and, like, talk the family into letting the little girl try to go out and bait the monkey. Yep. And then... And, and wait, and this isn't even the bad part yet. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't even the most unrealistic, stupid part yet. Yeah. You know what it is. Go ahead. So so the little girl's out in the backyard with right. an apple. Apple and monkey. And, and the monkey. And Cuba Gooding Jr., Major Salt, whatever he is... Is over in the woods with like a tiny little air gun tranquilizer, oh, yeah. tranquilizer pistol. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shooting, and so the monkey like comes out of the woods, sneaks up kind of out of the woods. She's got the out, and the, I think and the little girl's worried they're going to kill the monkey. They're, she's, oh, she's, she's more, like, yeah. yeah, she's, she's like, don't kill yeah. it. It's not gonna get Betsy, yeah. didn't she call Betsy, the monkey? Did she call yeah. the? Be- she had named the monkey Betsy. Um, and, and well, at first they try to get Betsy to come out, mm-hmm. and then the little girl's like, she'll only come to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she'll only come to me. And so then the monkey actually starts coming out in the apple. And then we get the obligatory Cuba Gooding Jr. steps on a stick. Mm-hmm. And so it scares the monkey. But yet the monkey doesn't run away. And then he pulls off some, like, 50-foot shot with a trank with the, dart. With the trank pistol. <laughs> that would be, do you really think that shot can yeah. be made? Can yeah. you make that shot? Well, with he, a rifle, yes. With a pistol, no, no way. They're notoriously inaccurate from distance. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, this scene could only have been better if uh, it was the house of a single man played by David Schwimmer who was out uh, <laughs> feeding the monkey. That's the only yeah. thing that could have made it more ridiculous. Well, and I mean, you know how I feel about kids in movies. I do. And at this point, I'm like, this whole movie is hinging on the behavior of a kid. Mm-hmm. 
that really hasn't even been a part of this movie. I just, yeah. Now then, they got the monkey. And they jump back in the helicopter. Mm-hmm. Now back to what you were talking about. Yeah, with the all helicopter. that business. And then, like I said, they they're getting chased. They they shoot some some missiles into a hillside, and they trick the people who are following them into believing that they've crashed their helicopter. Well, before before they even do that, there's this one scene where so you have two helicopters, right. and one of them has Donald Sutherland yeah, in it. Yeah, and he's like he gives them the command: go red, go uh-huh. hot. You know, shoot them down. Yeah. And so you got two helicopters and Cuba Gooding Jr. is flying the one helicopter and he's making Dustin Hoffman sick because he's doing all these maneuvers through the woods and the trees yeah, yeah. that I don't even know a helicopter can really do. But it did look like live action. It did. It did. So I, I think it was legit. But then he does this thing where he's being chased by one helicopter and then the other helicopter is coming straight at him mm-hmm. and he pulls this top gun move. Yeah, yeah. We're- where it pulls straight out, up. goes straight up with the yeah. helicopter and loops back around and 180s them. Can you do that in a helicopter? I do not think you can. I do not think the physics possible? Work, work in I, that fashion. Wouldn't, wouldn't that just like just blow you to the side if you try that? Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, so then the two military helicopters almost crash. Mm-hmm. And now Cuba Gooding... Salt and Daniel's helicopters disappeared, and they call up the radar plane that's up there. Yeah, and they can't and, find them. Right, they're, they're flying so low; they're like hovering over a, a lumber truck <laughs> a lumber or something. Pickup truck. Yeah, and then that's when they fly up and shoot the bombs yeah. in and fake the explosion, and now they're away, and they can get back to get back to home base at um, you know, Ground Zero. Yeah, it's silly, and so it's really silly. You know, just because because we're running a little long, basically what we end up getting is they realize that this um, serum that, that that they created back in the day works uh, to kind of reverse this virus, and they they realize they have a cure. But in the meantime, there's a bomb headed towards the town on a plane. Yeah, because McClintock is still like, hey, we're going ahead with this mission to bomb out the thing because, and this is where this layer was so stupid. Yeah. Is McClintock, Donald Sutherland's character, is still, we need to bomb this town so we can contain this virus so we can use it as a biological weapon later. Right. And, I mean, this is the same biological weapon they created back in the 60s -hmm. at the beginning of this movie. Wouldn't you think if you needed a biological weapon, we'd probably have a better one by now? We have the best scientists in the world, and we yeah we we can figure that out. That, yeah, we don't need to kill a whole city of innocent civilians to mm-hmm. you know preserve a biological, a biological weapon. weapon for right. sure. Yeah, for sure. And so we've got this jet traveling to drop a bomb on this city. Mm-hmm. And so, um, how in the world are we going to stop this, Nate? Oh, you know what we do. Is we talk them down. With a helicopter. With a helicopter. With a helicopter. So this is the third moment where this makes no sense militarily. Because these guys, again, they're on this mission. And the helicopter's up there trying to divert them and getting in their way and talking to them. And ultimately, they convince the pilots they can't do this. Well, yeah. So they're trying to convince the pilots and the pilots can't decide. They keep going back and forth. But then, so back in the battle room, in the battle station, you have Ford and McClinic. Uh, and Ford takes the mic and tells Sam, because Sam's talking to the pilots, mm-hmm. and they won't respond. Right. And so it's like they're trained not to respond. Yeah. And so Daniels is like, you know, I know you can't, I know you can hear me. Then all of a sudden, Morgan Freeman's character, General Ford, takes the mic and is like, kind of really subtly is like, the only way you can stop him is if you like get in their way. Yeah. 
Which makes no sense because, I mean, a plane can change elevation, can it? Sure. <laughs> I would think. Well, that jet can go a lot higher than a helicopter. The jet can go a lot higher. And, do you, I mean, you're blowing up a town. Do you got to be, like, right on the dot? Or right. if you get even close to it, jump. You're probably all right. You're probably all right. You're probably all right. And so they pull the helicopter straight in front of yeah, the plane. Get in the way of the plane. Yeah, and they're like, well, we will, you have to kill us if you want to kill them. Mm-hmm. And then what did the pilots decide to do at the last minute? They dropped a bomb in the ocean. Drop it in the ocean, yeah. yeah. So And you get this big explosion ocean. right out in the yeah, ocean. It, it looks cool. Yeah, it did look cool. And so then basically um, they realize that the, the town is saved. They've got the antidote to the virus, the, the cure for it. Um, uh, our good buddy Kevin Spacey is no longer with us, no, but Rene died. Russo... Wait before 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 we get to yeah they they save her, but so right right when the bomb gets dropped in the ocean, Ford orders an arrest on McClintock. Mm-hmm. Isn't Ford just as guilty in all of this? I think that's right. I, I mean, isn't right. he just as guilty? And McClintock calls him out. You're going to go down too. And Ford's like, I'll take it. But it's like it it the the nobility. Yeah, is. You think forward and just, if you're at that point where you're kind of like, mm, yeah, I just dropped the bomb too. I mean, right. Ford, Ford seems to like take his, I don't know. There's just something just very unrealistic about that last Well, I, I, I get that. And I think that's right. Except that earlier in the, in the film, when he sees the bank of these, you know, bags of the, the serum that can, can cure the virus, he takes one and, uh, and he's got it on his desk. So he's, he's having some moral ambiguity about what he's doing and there is some you can see that there's maybe some internal struggle with him with that he's a very conflicted character i mean yeah. the, he's probably the only character with real depth in this whole movie. i think that's right yeah you know because you just don't know where he what he's gonna do um and he, sometimes he's bad sometimes he's good but at the end of the day you know he should be going to jail too right correct 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 and then to then you know renee russo survives and they reconcile. they reconcile, and because nothing saves a broken marriage like a near death experience. Exactly, exactly. And, and then that's it. And then we're done. Wow. And that's outbreak, folks. Uh, it was the 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 last part of this movie was. It was like when you know when you take your medicine and there's that one big pill. Yeah. That just is a little bit harder to swallow right. than like right. all the other little pills you take. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how this movie ended. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. You know, as I was looking at this some research and reading some reviews i was uh i looked on imdb and uh i was reading just some some uh followers reviews and somebody had given it five stars and they said this movie is great it's definitely in my top 10 if you're listening if you said that i want to meet you i want to know what your other nine are and i want to know what didn't make the cut because this probably wasn't in the top 10 films of 1995 no I, I I mean, it did do good at the box office. It had a lot of big-name actors, but it did not hold up well. No, not at all. If you were to watch this movie in 1995, would it have been different? I don't think so. I didn't think it was great back then. I remember, like I said, I, I remember being excited about it, but not thinking it was great. I think it, it would have been better. You would have liked it a little more, but I think that the silliness of it all and the implausibility of a lot of the plot stuff is really kind of an albatross on this one. Well, and you know, the proof's in the pudding too, because this is a movie that easily could air like on USA network, 
you know, there wasn't heavy violence. There wasn't sex. Oh, right, there wasn't right. a lot of cussing. You could have ran this through the cable networks over and over and over again. Sure could have. And, it, and didn't, it didn't happen. And it didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. there's got to be a reason for that. Yeah. And so I think that, yeah, I, I, I just think it just didn't quite hold up. Um, and I'm going to make a bold statement, and I hopefully I'm right. And if I'm wrong, come after me. It's kind of like the coronavirus. <laughs> I think that could be right. I, I just, right. I don't think it's going to hold up that. I think, you know, we're just, you know, it's going to, it's going to get some attention and then we'll move on to something else. Yeah. I, I'm with you. My biggest. We'll move on to like Pulp Fiction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but for the love of God, please, coronavirus, if you're real, if you're, I mean, I know you're real, um, but if you're going to really just wreak havoc in America, Wait till after the first weekend of May. We cannot have crazy business around the Derby where you can't go be around people. Like just oh no, just Churchill Downs has already said we don't care. I know they they say <laughs> that now. Yeah, Churchill Downs is like you know it's like the biggest international event, one of the biggest international events in the United States throughout yes, the year. Annually, yes, annually, hundreds of thousands of people come come to Louisville from all over the world. And Church of the House is like, eh. Well, they say we don't. They say they're not worried about like foreign people coming in because they say you know if they can't come in, they'll sell their tickets. But if it's in America and it's widespread, then that that poses a different problem. Kind of like what the NCAA is talking about right now. Yeah. And the NCAA is not going to shutter the doors for for basketball, by the way. And and Churchill Downs is not going to not have people there. But let's just let's just not even bring that. Let's not even have that as an option. Yeah. Well, and let's just kind of calm down about it all. It, it's that's it's, right. That's exactly right. I mean, it's not. Yes, it's a epidemic. It's not as. It's not as. Uh, it's not a death sentence. It's not as. You might get sick. For you're gonna a get couple, sick. You're gonna get sick, and you're gonna. You know, it's. I mean, the measles are much worse. And for the love of God, people, listen and trust the scientists. Trust your doctors. Listen to to reason, because I've seen so many people who. You can give them 50 facts and one outrageous thing, and that's the thing that, that a lot of people hold on to. So trust the science. Trust the doctors. I, I, I cannot stress that enough. Just be, you know, be smart about be things. Be smart. Wash yeah. your hands. For the love of God, I saw a meme this weekend that said, wash your hands like you've got a club stamp on there that you don't want your mom to see. Like, wash your hands. Well, you should wash your hands anyway. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's like, that's, you know, that that's, you know, what I, that's the thing is it's like you – preventing things like this from spreading or even preventing it if you were to get it, but you're healthy when you get it, Mm -hmm. you know, just be a healthy person, take care of yourself, Yep. you know, and if you get coronavirus, yeah, you might be sick for a few weeks. You might have to go to the hospital, get an IV. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, have you ever had food poisoning? Yes. I've had to be hospitalized. I've never had to be hospitalized. I had to be hospitalized for food poisoning once. Yeah. That sucked. It's not good. Not good. And I would imagine coronavirus would probably be... It's going to be unpleasant for it's you. It's going to be unpleasant. And maybe for me. Who knows? Yeah, it's, it's going to be bad. But chances are it's not, it's not going to kill you. Yeah. I mean, you have more of a chance of dying driving down the street. Yeah, we're all, all we're all going to get through this, friends. If you get sick, you've got plenty of podcasts to listen to. But uh, in a couple of years, we're going to be... We're all going to get through this. It's We're going to be... America's going to be fine. We're going to be fine. Um, so to wrap this movie up, would you watch this again? You know, I, I actually would. I mean, not anytime soon. 
and depending on the situation. But I mean, I thought if you take it for what it's worth and its context, mm-hmm. it's entertaining. It is an entertaining movie, and so I mean, like it's like watching Predator, yeah, or like a movie like that, to where it's like, yeah, I mean, you can't take it too seriously, but like, eh, you know, it's. Good act, good actors, familiar faces. The story has a nice pace to it. It's not terribly long, little, right? You know, right, right two, two hours. hours. I mean, I would watch it again. I'm not going to seek it out. I'm not either. I, I may or may not ever watch it again. I'm not going to be like, oh no, I refuse. But I'm probably not going to, like you said, seek it out or decide I'm going to watch this today or hey, you should check this out. But if somebody wants to watch it again. Well, and I hadn't watched it, neither did you, for 20 years. Right. So I, I, I didn't miss it for those 20 nope. years, so I wouldn't miss it if I never saw it again yeah, either. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. I think that's right. So what's your final grade? Hmm. B. Okay. Maybe, I don't think I'm going to give it a B. I think I'll just leave it at a B. Okay. Because I, I, I found it entertaining, but just dumb. Yeah. I'm going to give it a C plus for the very same reasons. I found it entertaining but dumb, but the dumbness of it just brings it back down. And, you know, just some of the... Wait, do you have surround sound? It, no. Oh, well, see, well, the helicopter scenes in surround sound are a lot better. Though. Okay, that, so that's almost worth a grade Maybe right a B minus then because the, of B that. B minus like, if you have surround if sound. If I had up my sound hel- Nothing sounds better through surround sound than some helicopters. You know, I, <laughs> I think that's right. And you know what else sounds great in surround sound is NASCAR. Oh, now, oh I, I don't even like NASCAR, but I, don't I, still, wa- I still watch it. But it sounds sound. so good. It sounds so great in surround <laughs> yeah. sound. Yeah, absolutely, yes. Yes. I mean, I would give NASCAR overall a grade of like a C, but if you watch it in the surround, surround sound, sound, it's an A. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, B, I, give it a, I give it a B. I mean, it's, it's, it's nah, B minus. I don't know. I, I, it's fine. It's, it is what it is. Yeah. It's not, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not Jeff peanut butter. It's that, you know, local grocery right, store right, peanut butter right. right next to it. Yeah. Whether it's, that's Kroger or Aldi's or whatever. Wherever you go. It's, um, but yeah. Yeah, it's fine. It's, it's a fine movie in terms of just being entertaining and uh, having f- familiar faces, good actors, um, who generally act reasonably well in this. There's not really bad acting in no, this. No, they act well. They yeah. do. Yeah, it's not bad acting. It's it's just the story. The, the story and... and uh, the music's great. The, music's the acting's good. great. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's just the story's just... Great helicopter sequences. Yeah, it's just... I give the, it an A on helicopter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the story is just... Yeah. Eh, it's yeah. just... Too many just dumb things. Yeah, yeah, too much dumb. Yeah. All right, well, so that's that for Outbreak. Um, thanks, guys, for listening. Do you ever think there'll be an Outbreak Part 2? Um, I don't think so, but, uh, you know, we, we can always hope. Outbreak, the sequel. Yeah. <laughs> Good Lord. Um, all right, so thanks for listening. We've had a great show. This has been an awful lot of fun to do this movie that we did not have on our radar, but we decided to think about it with all of the fears about the pandemic and the coronavirus. So hopefully nothing too severe comes of that in America. We we definitely sympathize with everyone who has been sick. And those of you who've lost loved ones, we hate that. Um, I do think this is going to be something that is similar to the flu. Hopefully that's what we have. Um, hopefully everybody has a great uh, next couple of weeks. We're excited for basketball season, so 
or basketball tournament. So we got that going on. We're gonna try to win some money, um, and we're gonna come back with some more fun movies uh, soon. So Nate, anything else from you? Stay clean, my friends. Stay clean, guys. Listen to us. Is that movie still good? Peace. You know you make me break out.